Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 108, entitled Confidence Man. Before we start, I just wanted to give a big thanks to a reviewer on iTunes who called Looking Back at Lost uh, a thoughtful and refreshing commentary and said that it was well worth the listen. So thank you very much, and uh, certainly anyone else who's interested in uh, checking out the the, uh, iTunes feed or leaving a review, etc., can uh, go to lookingbackatlost.podbean.com for a variety of uh, links and links to iTunes and uh, all that. Anyhow, uh, moving on now to the episode proper, here is the summary from Wikipedia. In the flashbacks, Sawyer is sleeping with a woman, Jessica. After informing her that he is meeting someone to get money for an investment that will triple his cash in two weeks, Jessica tells him that she will get the money from her husband so that she and Sawyer can split the profit. Later, Sawyer is revealed to be a con artist. He closes the deal with Jessica and husband at their home. However, after seeing their son, Sawyer calls off the deal and leaves. On the island, Kate is uh, bringing fruit to camp when she comes across Sawyer's clothes on the beach. She picks up the book he's reading, which is Watership Down, uh, and Sawyer walks out of the water. He flirts with her, but she walks away. Elsewhere, Shannon's asthma has become a problem, and everyone becomes convinced that Sawyer is hoarding some inhalers from the wreck. Sawyer says he'll give up the medicine if Kate kisses him. Kate calls his bluff and challenges him about the letter he often reads and how he obviously is affected by its text. Sawyer makes Kate read the letter aloud. It's addressed to Mr. Sawyer, and the author says that Sawyer slept with his mother and stole his father's money, causing the father to murder his mother and then kill himself. The author says he'll find Sawyer and give him the letter, indicating he knows what Sawyer did to the author's family. Locke suggests to Saeed that Sawyer may have attacked him because he is benefiting from being lost. Saeed then uses the whereabouts of the inhalers as an excuse to torture Sawyer for information, with help from Jack. After Saeed slips pieces of bamboo under his fingernails, Sawyer only agrees to give up the inhalers in return for the kiss from Kate. She kisses Sawyer, after which he reveals that he doesn't have them after all. Saeed believes Sawyer is lying and they fight. Saeed stabs Sawyer in the upper arm with Locke's knife. Sawyer wakes up on the island to find his arm bandaged, having been saved by Jack. Kate has been rereading Sawyer's letter. She sees the stamp on it from 1976 and deduces that the letter wasn't written to Sawyer, but by him. Sun uses eucalyptus to help Shannon to breathe, and Charlie and Claire move to the Ks. Finally, despite pleas from Kate, Saeed sets off to explore the island's shoreline in self-imposed isolation, needing time to come to terms with his actions in torturing Sawyer. 
Now, with that uh, summary out of the way, let's get into my various thoughts about the episode. Big surprise in the beginning, a surprise of sorts anyway, the episode does not open with that iconic eye shot. It opens with Kate walking down the beach. This is scandalous that they haven't started with a with an eye shot. It's just, what in the world is going on here? Uh, a bit more seriously, it's excellent use of music in that opening scene. Uh, it reflects the change from flirty Sawyer to dark overtones once Kate shoots him down. Also, this is another example, and we've seen this in, in previous episodes, it's another example where Kate's just being mean to Sawyer. Just because Sawyer steps out, steps out of the ocean in the nude, why be mean to him? I'm sure there's female fans and perhaps some male fans out there who would uh, have loved to be in Kate's position. Furthermore, this is a private bath, mind you. He wasn't, you know, bathing in the nude uh, amongst the other survivors. He was elsewhere, down down the beach, uh, taking a little scrub-a-dub in the tub. Kate interrupted him, not the other way around. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's Kate being a little mean. Um... Moving on, there's more Act 1 rehash from previous episodes. Again, so many of these early episodes do it. I, perhaps it's something that the series continues to do, and, and I'm only aware of it because I'm not uh, entranced by every single moment because I've seen these episodes and I have the, the bigger picture, as do you, dear listener. But we have Saeed explaining to Jack exactly what happened at the end of the last episode. Why have a previously unlost segment if you're going to do that with dialogue as well? It, it, it's just, to me, it's a bit sloppy. It really is. You're, and you know what? Maybe they don't have the confidence in their audience yet. Obviously, all of us uh, who count, them, count ourselves as lost fans, it's you know the ability to have this long-term memory. It's uh, discussing with each other. Do you remember this piece? Do you remember that piece? Etc. It's going online and, and researching this bit from the show or that bit that might connect from outside the show. And maybe the producers aren't uh, acclimated to that notion yet. I mean, they're probably we're probably approaching the point now where with with this episode one hundred eight, where perhaps the show would have started airing. You know, the pilot episode perhaps has already aired as as they're making this. So the relationship that the show would go on to have with the fans in terms of this this two-way dialogue, that hasn't happened yet, perhaps. And if it has, it's in a very uh, cursory and initial way. But honestly, do you need to do you need to last week, seven, eight days ago, in when we're watching this in its original air dates and whatnot, clunk, say he gets hit over the head, the episode ends. Here we are a week later, and Saeed is saying, you know, I was hit over the head, clunk, and I went down, and then there was the business with the transmission, and we're trying to triangulate, and this and that, the other. Guys, we got it. Either put it in Previously Unlost, or discuss it in dialogue, but you don't necessarily need to do both. Additionally, there's a little bit of a, a fake act out, and by, by the phrase act out, I mean it's how they're, they're ending the act with that hook to make you sit through the commercials and come back. So there's a bit of a fake act out. Said is looking for the person who's hit him. Then Boone comes along for having been beaten up by Sawyer, which is the result of Boone looking through Sawyer's stuff. Boone is asked who did this to him, and Boone says Sawyer. That's accurate. That's honest. The music comes crashing down, and Said gets a reaction shot. 
But we don't. I mean, we as audience members, we 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 can almost certainly know that it wasn't Sawyer. I, and I say that having rewatched the you know the episode where there is potentially some doubt sprinkled in. Now, obviously, big picture, like we do here with the podcast, taking all that we know from from everything and whatnot. It wasn't Sawyer. That's a fact. But I think too, even the first time you saw this episode, you wouldn't really. You, you would buy the initial explanation. Said says uh, Sawyer was two kilometers away. And even before we get to some of the business that, that uh, Locke plants into his head, it's it, the show is laboring at this point before there's some discussion about the possibility that it was Sawyer who clunked Said over the head. The, the show is kind of pushing it just so they can go, you know, dramatic, act out, boom, lost. Now sit through four minutes of commercials and let's pay the bills. Um. Anyhow, I mean, we know Sawyer didn't do it. Again, I'm, when, when I say we, I'm, I mean from the point of view of having seen the episode for the first time. We have, we don't think Sawyer did it, so I suggest it. There isn't the evidence on the table yet. Um. Slightly separate issue. Uh, I know I mentioned in a previous podcast how it seems no one wants to walk up to Sawyer and say, "Hey, I heard you have X. Could I have it?" Let's have no. Well, let's have a discussion. You want some fish? You want some this? You know, let's trade. Let's work together here. Does anybody in this episode go up to Sawyer and say, "Can you please give me Shannon's inhaler?" Kate finally does after there's already been a little bit of a tete a tete. Uh, certainly, Jack doesn't. And here's a here's an example of that right now with a clip. Where is it? Hey, Doc. Long time no see. Where is it? Where's what? Girls ask me this. Shannon, her inhalers. Oh, that. You attacked a kid for trying to help his sick sister. No, I whooped a thief because he was going through my stuff. Yours? Which I had What makes it yours? What, you think you can just take something out of a suitcase and that makes it yours? Look, I don't know what kind of commie share fest you're running over in Cave Town. But down here, possession's nine-tenths. And a man's got a right to protect his property. Get up. Why, you want to see who's taller? Get up! You sure you want to make this your problem, Doc? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Hey! What's going on here? So at this point, if you're a regular listener to, to the podcast, you know I'm not a Jack fan, and I won't get into that anymore other than to say he's not a great leader and once again we see it here Uh, on the one hand there's a basic philosophical difference about how to run run the show on the island i don't mean the the tv show how to run things on the island and it harkens back to sawyer's uh comment i believe in episode 103 about how they're all living in the wild not civilization and and that people need to adjust to that reality that said Jack comes barging in, going through Sawyer's bags, waking him up, or, or he's uh, having a, a light read or, or something like that. This complete kind of invasion of privacy in the name of, uh, of, of, of the group that needs to, needs to somehow function together. Uh, I, I don't know. Jack is just so off-putting in this to the point that you know he's ready to have a fist fight over the inhaler. Does he come in and say... Do you have the inhaler? Yes or no? Well, if then the answer, if then there's some skirting of the issue, like Sawyer does with Kate, 
which we'll discuss in a bit. If then Sawyer's gonna gonna skirt the issue with Jack, and you want to have a fist fight over that because there's a young lady who's having a serious uh, asthma attack, and and you want to help her, and it's a very basic way to help her. She has asthma. If indeed Sawyer has the inhaler, she's all better. I mean, that is that worth having a fist fight over? Okay, maybe, but. Jack kind of goes in to escalate because somebody dares question him. And, you know, as I say, Jack is ready to punch out Sawyer over the inhaler until Kate comes in to split things up. And, you know, once again, more of hot-headed Jack who can't properly lead. Jack claims that the survivors aren't savages. In the, 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 in the continuation of that scene, he confronts Sawyer in Sawyer's tent, shelter, abode, Kate brings him uh, closer to the beach. Jack says, you know, that the savages aren't, uh, pardon me, that the survivors aren't savages. But he's not cultured enough. Jack isn't civilized enough to say, hey, the sick girl needs her asthma medication, which you may have. Can I have it? No? Well, can we trade? You want to have some aspirin for for ahead of time? You want some coconuts? You want? What can we do? It's just terribly frustrating. Boo, Jack, boo. One of the strengths, though, let's let's move back to Sawyer here. One of the strengths in this episode is they just nail the Sawyer character so well. And a lot of that is Josh Holloway's acting. It is incredible, incredible to think about this, the oft-told story of he had, he had the actor now, Josh Holloway, had tried his hand in, uh, in acting and had, had said, I'm going to give it X number of weeks more, whatever the, whatever the timeline was. And if I don't, if I'm not making it in acting, I'm going to go home and get my real estate license. And literally, it was lost was the last thing he was going to going to audition for, and then that was it. Pack up and go home. the The depth that he has as an actor in this episode this is him. This is him unleashed. This is him not doing the little quips. This is him not doing the little flirty things. This is not him doing the Han Solo thing. This is Sawyer as a fully realized character and it's fantastic and Sawyer's presented as somebody who's chronically misread this season and this we've gotten snippets of it in earlier episodes now that with this being the Sawyer episode now we see it he's just a big flirt with Kate but she rebuffs him in such a such an off-putting and a mean way that you know she reads the situation of he's prickly so she's prickly back so he's he escalates that is not the case. Kate pushes first with her off-putting attitude, which leads to angry Sawyer pushing back. He's a genuinely good person. We see that in this episode. But his scars from the real Mr. Sawyer are what is holding him back. Um, and it, it, it harkens back to a, a comment that I made in the early seasons of the show, and I'm sure other people made it as well, that it didn't take these people to be survivors of a plane crash on a, on a lost island or on a mysterious island to become lost in life. Sawyer is extremely lost in life. And we're seeing that in this, in this episode on island as well as, uh, as well as flashbacks. Moving on to another character, Locke, who, who, what, four or five episodes ago in, in walkabout, who had this wonderful, uh, um, you know, this wonderful introduction as the wise Zen master. In this episode, he appears to be wise, 
that's actually very, very manipulative and very, very creepy the way he's acting. And here's a clip for you to take a listen to. I heard you were trying to send out a distress call. So it would seem whoever attacked you has a reason for not wanting to get off the island. Maybe someone who is profiting from our current circumstances. And from what I've seen, you and Mr. Sawyer share a certain animosity. No, he has an alibi. Just before I was struck, he set off a bottle rocket, a signal we'd worked out two kilometers away. He couldn't have had the time to go from... Unless he found a way to time delay the fuse on his rocket. How could he possibly have been... Anyone who watches television knows how to improvise a slow fuse. Use a cigarette. What does Locke gain by spreading speculation? What does he gain by giving Saeed the knife? I'm not entirely sure. Certainly, we know better than most people on the show, uh, maybe with the exception of Locke, we know what the island means to Locke in terms of uh, both the reality of the situation, given that he's, uh, given that he's now able to walk, and to, to his mind, and I think rightfully so, there's this very clear link between he couldn't walk before and now he's on the uh, on the island and he can walk so there's that motivation for the status quo to remain uh there's the other things that Locke is reading into the situation believing that the 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 smoke monster is this beautiful eye of the island and that there are aspects of destiny etc etc uh so i mean Locke has this elevated position. What does he gain by stirring the pot? I, I'm not entirely sure. It, there hasn't been much interaction between him and Sawyer. Is it just the? Is it something as simple as you want to give Locke some screen time? Uh, somebody needs to be a catalyst to get things going in Saeed's mind to move it from the question mark of, well, I suspect Sawyer, but the evidence isn't there. And then Locke gives that evidence, um, or, or, or at least some evidence, or, or a, a scenario. Perhaps that's just it. Perhaps Locke is just fulfilling some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, script necessity to propel Saeed forward. Uh, I don't know. That's... The, the one thing I will say, though, is that it's it's an ironic scene, given that in season six, Saeed would once again be taking marching orders from from someone looking like Locke, albeit the man in black in the form of Locke. Uh, Saeed got bad advice from the man in black. Saeed is getting bad advice from Locke now. So there certainly is a nice bit of symmetry there. And uh, also as a side note, um, I learned from a news story completely unrelated to this that you indeed can't use a cigarette as a slow fuse the way Locke is suggesting that in fact cigarettes are made to prevent that so that said I mean I'm not going to nail that I'm not going to call that a continuity error or a blooper I'm not even going to call that as Locke trying to mislead Uh, his rationale is haven't you ever seen tv you can use a cigarette as a fuse I don't know if I had some if I was caught on some mysterious island and I needed a slow fuse of some sort and I had a pack of smokes, uh, I suppose that would be something I would try. So I, 
I'm not necessarily faulting the show, although, frankly, it does lead a bit of credence to this notion that Locke, Locke's function in this episode is merely to be a catalyst for Saeed and to propel him forward to the torture, which then propels us to the Saeed episode, Saeed in exile, meeting Rousseau. So if that's the sin of the episode to get all those things going, then, well, what can we do? It's a wonderful road ahead of us nonetheless. Moving back to Sawyer, Sawyer's self-loathing absolutely comes out just fantastically when he's goading Jack into beating him. And the director and the editor of this episode, they shoot it perfectly. It isn't about setting off Jack as much as it is that Sawyer is getting the beating that he wants because of this strong, strong self-loathing. But it's not just about wanting to get that beating. It's also about from the show point of view, it's about us seeing those that are watching. It's seeing the reaction shots in Sun and Jin and Boone and Shannon. The caves are oddly free of extras in this nighttime scene. Why? I don't know. There's your continuity error. But it's it's it, it, it's not only, I, I think most directly, Sawyer wants the beating because he's uh, so guilty about being this this awful person that he is this con man uh but also it's a way of sawyer manipulating jack into taking jack down a notch jack takes himself down a notch by showing that he's surprise a poor leader a loose cannon incapable of making the correct decisions and indeed when it's all done they go he smacks uh uh sawyer around sawyer ends up getting tortured on jack's watch jack is the 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 Papa Bear in that scene, and for what? For nothing. For inhalers that that Sawyer doesn't have. Um, incidentally, on the topic of asthma, I read once there's a, a biography of uh, Teddy Roosevelt that that got into some of the medical background uh, on asthma, specifically childhood asthma. Obviously, this relates to Shannon and her asthma. Um, there there are many cases. Uh, where childhood asthma has zero physical cause, they'll take the dust from a child's room, an asthmatic child's room, put them in the hospital, put the child in the hospital, put the dust underneath the child's bed, zero asthma attacks. It's been written that when a child has an asthma attack, nothing is more important. He or she becomes the most important thing in the eyes of those around him or her, i.e., mom, or, mom and dad, other family members. I mention this because doesn't that rather fit Shannon? Uh, you know, we talk about how some things in these episodes are gimmicks is too strong, but they they are problems to serve the episode, right? They create, quote unquote, they create this problem of Shannon's asthma, which we haven't heard of before. Wink, wink. That's because she had her inhaler, says Boone. So now for this episode, she needs her inhaler. Then they spend an entire episode searching you know the, the business of the inhaler it suits these the purpose of the sawyer story for him not to have an inhaler but yikes now you still have sh- this problem of shannon is asthmatic sun comes in some ma- sun makes the eucalyptus boom that now solves the problem of shannon's uh, uh asthma until her death in season two you create a problem, you deal with it in the episode, you solve it at the end, and then you say, check, we don't ever have to deal with that again. Um, but anyhow, it it uh, fits Shannon well, I think. The, the possibility that 
her asthma. And I mean, they touch on it a bit in the episode. Jack says, not only are you having an asthma attack, but you are panicking and that's making the asthma attack worse. So all of the attack that you're feeling is not representative of your breathing condition. It's it's a mental thing in part. I'm just suggesting perhaps it's one step further that it's bratty Shannon who's calling who everybody must stop. There's a monster out there. There's no water. There's this. There's that. We're not rescued. Everybody stop. I'm the center of the universe because I'm having an asthma attack. Um, connected to that, it's a really nice touch to see how Saeed may have had the, the he, he might have had the seed planted in him about Sawyer being the bad guy. Locke may have planted that seed, but it's seeing Shannon in distress that truly gets Saeed involved. That's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I think that's also suggested in a couple shots. There, there's moments where, um, uh, there's a moment where Boone gets up. Boone's, uh, uh, I think Saeed is going off to confront Sawyer, and Boone's going to go with him. But Shannon says, "Boone, don't leave me." And both men, Saeed and Boone, stop and look at Shannon. And uh, I, I don't know if it's in the in the script as you know, Saeed looks tenderly at Shannon or that sort of thing. But it, in retrospect, again, the notion of this podcast doing it all in retrospect. In retrospect, it plays really nicely as, ooh, Saeed is starting to notice her. Uh, moving on, big kudos to the show. Oh, no, wait, let me back up first. It, it's interesting uh, uh, to see that Jack is so complicit in Sawyer's torturing because of this notion of it's part of some greater good. Jack seems to get some kind of apparent moral loophole He's the good cop who's saying to Sawyer, listen, you have to talk. If you don't talk, well, I can't stop Saeed. He's gonna, he's doing something over there with that knife and that bamboo. I, I want to help you, buddy. Just tell me where those inhalers are. I'm the good guy. I'm, I'm, I'm holding Saeed back. It's, it, to me, it's just more of Jack playing it any way he wants to play it. Uh, and, but, but he gets to play it safely. Saeed's going to do the dirty business. Jack, he's just saying, come on, man, we got it. He's going to come get you. You better tell me, Sawyer. Um, specifically on that topic of, of Sawyer getting tortured, kudos to the show for really, really, really making Sawyer scream. There's no question that this is torture. It, you know, it kind of starts out as, you know, oh, isn't that, you know, that, that hardly hurts, that tickles, some line like that to really hear Sawyer just screaming and repeatedly and not just to hear it kind of echoing off the trees, but to show him in a medium shot of him just screaming and writhing in pain really, really sells it. Really, really sells it. Um, that said, where's all this coming from? Because after the torture, he says, fine, I'll, I'll tell you, I want the kiss from Kate. I like this notion that all that Sawyer wants or perhaps needs is just a loving soulmate. He thinks that that is Kate. And you can understand why. Sawyer is a bit of an outcast living on the edges of society. Well, that's Kate too, literally running from uh, the central social forces, the law, law enforcement. I like it that Sawyer, even in these early episodes, he's looking for this soulmate. And and when he finds the soulmate in later seasons with Juliet, his life gains so much stability. It's 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 nice. You know, I've said before, a lot of these things early on they work. The degree of the long term plan might not have been there from day one, but the producers knew 
enough that as they started to build the show further, they needed to go back and build uh, from the foundation that was already there. And it's just, it's great. You see Sawyer longing for someone, and when that someone becomes Juliet in later seasons, it just clicks. It really does. You know, it occurs to me, though, I haven't said too much about Sawyer's flashback. Perhaps that's because it's just a much less interesting story than the on-island stuff. Some of this is uh, a result of the fact that the island story is indeed fantastic. It's showing the many colors of Sawyer and how people around him react to him. Uh, The con story, it's a solid enough B-plot, particularly since we've been duped by the show into thinking that the Mr. Sawyer in the letter, who's responsible for bankrupting the boy's mom and dad, which leads to their deaths, we've been duped into thinking that that is our Sawyer. It's honest enough. I mean, that's what we are meant to to think. Uh, and I mean, it's added by the fact that the flashbacks are intentionally making Sawyer look as evil as possible. Just as a quick side note, this episode in particular left me really wishing that we knew what Sun and Jin were saying when they speak Korean on the island. I know that the 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 notion is give them subtitles when they're in uh, off island or 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 when they're in an environment where it's just the two of them, uh, and when we're surrounded by the others to help sell the isolation that they must feel. They're not going to get subtitles, but when Jin confronts Sun from Sun talking to Michael, it's just so well acted, and I'm wondering what in the world they're saying. Um, anyhow, back to the Sawyer stuff. Uh, there's a tremendous acting when Sawyer sees the child of the couple that he's scamming. It shows not only what we'll learn later about him, about who, who the real Mr. Sawyer is, who wrote the letter, but it shows what we know in our hearts, that Sawyer isn't the villain that he's made out to be. He's been cut from the cloth of Han Solo, in previous episodes as the lovable rogue but in this episode he is finally fully sawyer and uh we get that towards the end of the episode and it's explained by this clip i read it again and then again because i've been trying to figure out why you beat up boone instead of just telling him you didn't have his sister's medication why you pretended to have it anyway thing that I keep coming back around to is that you want to be hated. Then I looked at the envelope. America's Bicentennial, Knoxville, Tennessee. You're just a kid. Eight, maybe nine years old. This letter wasn't written to you. You wrote this letter. Your name's not Sawyer, is it? What's his name? He was a confidence man. Romance from the moment to get to the money. Wiped him out clean, left a mess behind. So I wrote that letter. Wrote it knowing one day I'd find him. Knowing one day I'd find him. And there... We have this little notion planted in the overall uh, hierarchy of the show. And we're all sitting here knowing, story-wise, Anthony, you know, there it waits down, down the line. Anthony Cooper ending up on the Black Rock. Anthony Cooper, the original Mr. Sawyer, 
ending up on the Black Rock for Sawyer to give the letter to him finally and to kill him. There it awaits downstream for us. Changing subjects on the topic of Sun making the eucalyptus rub for Shannon. And maybe this is a bit much, dear listeners, but I can only read it as a faint comment on medicine's need to prescribe drugs when there's a natural answer. Jack even acknowledges it when he's by kind of quietly chastising himself. Their son is putting the the unnamed goop onto Shannon. Boone says, "Hey, Doc, uh, the, this lady put stuff on Shannon." Now, sh- ten minutes later, Shannon was breathing clearly. Jack takes a little sniff and says, oh, "Eucalyptus," kind of like this. Duh, we just could have uh, crushed up some eucalyptus. It, uh, that said, you know, and I discussed the eucalyptus before. It's a little bit hand of the writer here, create a problem, deal with the problem, solve the problem. All this trouble with Sawyer, when they just could have mashed up a few plants. Of course, then it would have been a lousy episode. It would have been, you know, Sawyer, where's the inhaler? Hey, inhaler, wait a minute. Let's get some eucalyptus. Oh, that's great. Ta-da! So it works. Um, Speaking of something else that just absolutely works is two words. Peanut butter. Peanut butter? No way! Just like you ordered. Oh, there is one thing. It's extra smooth. That's okay. (laughs) It's empty. What? No. No, no, it's not. It's full. Full to the brim. With stick to the roof of your mouth. Oh, God, makes you want a glass of milk. Extra smooth. It's the best bloody peanut butter I've ever tasted. Each and every single time that I've seen this episode, I can taste the peanut butter. I can feel it. It's just wonderful. It's wonderful acting. It, it, I mean, it's to the point that when Charlie ultimately does find the Dharma peanut butter and, and gives it to Claire, it that scene pales in comparison to this one. Between Dominic Monaghan's acting and Damon Lindelof's writing, you can just taste the peanut butter it is yummo indeed this episode starts to wrap up as we start to wrap up with saeed saying his quote-unquote final goodbye it's a bit much i think you know i I think he says to kate "Uh, i I hope to meet you again one day it's like the show is trying to make it seem like he is actually leaving as opposed to a simple springboard to next week. I think at this point, we as viewers are kind of savvy that there's 16, 17, 18 people. And first we did a little bit of a Jack flashback in the pilot. 103 was a Kate. 104 was a Locke, et cetera, et cetera. We're starting to get to know these people. Gee whiz, we don't know Saeed that well. So it's just a tad gimmicky. Oh, Saeed leaves forever. I mean... For those of us who watch previews, and I I shouldn't say us, for those of you who watch previews, because I quickly stopped watching previews for Lost, 
I, I'm sure in the preview that they showed that this the next episode is going to be a, a, a Saeed episode. To say this big final goodbye, you know, bleh. Um, the episode truly comes to an end, though, with another montage of survivors set to music. Personally, I'm glad they stopped doing this. Giacchino's music can carry an episode ending. It's just, I don't know, it feels so familiar from, uh, from was it about three, four episodes ago that did this? Yeah, I think it would have been 103 did that. It's it's just not necessary. Uh, there is a nice touch, though, at the very end that Sawyer doesn't burn the letter, showing his hope, his hope for revenge. With that now, let's uh, take a quick peek at Lostpedia to see any little bits and pieces that I've missed or that I didn't uh, make any connection to. Uh, Lostpedia mentions that uh, this episode is the first episode in which a flashback did not directly involve how a person got to the island. Uh, They also mention how the season six episode Lighthouse uh, features uh, the fact that they find Shannon's inhaler in the uh, on the ground near the entrance to the caves i do remember that i couldn't have told you that it was uh, episode or season five or season six or i certainly couldn't have told you specifically it was uh it was uh the episode lighthouse but i do remember that little kind of uh, wink to the audience and uh just as i mentioned the episode the music that ends the episode uh, lostpedia uh, mentions that uh another notable aspect of this episode's music is the use of the Blind Boys of Alabama's I Shall Not Walk Alone over the final montage. Uh, one of only two such cases in the show in which a commercial song is heard without a source within the setting of a story. So there you go. I guess they took my advice from the future and quickly stopped doing it. Well, with episode 108 in the bag, let's look ahead to next week. Next week's episode will be 109, entitled Solitary, which, uh, as I've mentioned before, is the Saeed episode, the uh, introduction of Nadia. And also, just for your reference, dear audience, uh, these episodes are being released to uh, the webpage, looking back at lost.podbean.com. They're released usually Friday evenings, and then uh, iTunes usually picks up that, you know, the update to the feed. It'll pick it up overnight, so usually by Saturday it's there. Uh, I know a big chunk of you are also getting these episodes from the Lost Podcasting Network, which uh, I usually send Ryan the email sometime Friday evening, and then he updates uh, usually over the weekend at some point. So uh, however you uh, however you get the show, certainly uh, that's the, the schedule you can look forward to. Uh, I'm releasing Friday evening, and then it's spreading out through, through uh, other means from there. And uh, it's been wonderful uh, hearing from uh, some of the listeners out there. You can always say hello to me on Twitter, at uh, where you can find me at twitter.com slash lookingbacklost. You can send an email or record a, uh, a voice message uh, with your iPhone or iPod Touch and email that or your text email to lookingbackatlost, all one word, all spelled out, lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. Uh, as I mentioned before, you can visit the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And you can uh, search for Looking Back at Lost on iTunes, find me there, subscribe, leave a review, etc. So thank you once again for listening. Uh, it is just a great joy to be revisiting Lost, to be uh, dialoguing a bit with some of the listeners, and just to just be getting my hands dirty in the world of Lost again. 
So thank you once again. See you next Friday for 109 Solitary. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, man. That was awesome. I mean, that was like a Jedi moment.